Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. We had a little microphone problem. So let's let's take it from the proverbial top. Okay, from the top. Well, we've got a former LSU quarterback in trouble with the law. We've got a former LSU women's basketball player in big time trouble. And we've got real live NFL football tonight as the preseason kicks off with the Vegas Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And with that, we say a a slightly later good afternoon and welcome on this Thursday, August 4th, the year 2022. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios. He's pushing all the buttons, spinning all the tunes. He's on the campus of uh, Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037. Lafayette, we're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And uh, if you happen to be in the Acadiana area and you're close to a television set, well, we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. So a great good afternoon to you and to yours. Um, the very latest news and notes, um, former LSU quarterback T.J. Finley has run afoul of the law. According to reports, he's being held at the Lee County Detention Facility in Oklahoma, o- Opelika, Alabama, on a charge of attempting to elude from the Auburn Police Department. That's according to a report from WRBL-TV in Columbus, Georgia. No details on what led to the arrest of the Ponchatoula, Louisiana native. Remember, Finley transferred from LSU to Auburn in May of 2021. Um, He earned significant playing time with Auburn this past season. He was considered a strong candidate to be the team's starting quarterback this year, but that is all up in arms as of now. Former LSU women's basketball player, Brittany Griner. Wow, a Russian court sentenced her to nine years in prison today, an expected conclusion to her trial that should allow negotiations for a prisoner swap to accelerate. Griner was arrested February 17th for bringing cannabis into the country, had been prepared for a harsh sentence, uh, according to sources close to the player. Um, But now we'll see 
what happens. Uh, this guilty verdict was considered a foregone conclusion. Griner pled guilty July 7th. Uh, the case continued under Russian law. So now we'll see what happens uh, from this time. The nine-year sentence was close to the maximum of 10 years that Griner had faced under the short charges. Prosecutors had asked for a nine-and-a-half-year sentence. Griner's defense lawyers, of course, said they would appeal. The defense team said that in sentencing, the court had ignored all evidence that had presented and Griner's guilty plea. So stay tuned for that. It's report day for the Ragin' Cajuns as they will assemble under new head coach, Desimo, the LSU Tigers reported yesterday they will have their first practice coming up this afternoon. Yes, the media will be allowed to witness about 30 minutes of it. Brian Kelly will have a press conference at around 6.15 this evening to report on that. And there's so many subjects to, to, um, to touch upon with this LSU football team. They may be the most unpredictable team in 2022 um, for a variety of reasons. And we'll get into some of those reasons uh, with, with our guest list today, beginning with Koki Riley, who covers uh, LSU for USA Today and the Daily Advertiser. Uh, the Saints had another day of training camp. Great to see that Teran Matthew was back on the practice field doing what he does best. And uh, we like that, right? That's all good. Um, and the Saints, you know, we, we talked to uh, while we were gone, uh, the Tigers, um, I mean, the Saints rather, uh, Trevor Penning got booted out of practice day after day after day coming up with um some late hits uh, after the whistle players don't like that they don't approve of that and so therefore um dennis allen said you know what enough is enough and uh we're just going to move on move on from here so take a day off now the most important thing is to see how he responds from that getting booted off the practice field. John Hendricks uh, will join us from the Saints News Network uh, at around 2.30 to talk all about that. Meanwhile, LSU's waiting for one of the biggest dominoes in Louisiana to commit. Five-star wide receiver Shelton Sampson is just about 48 hours away from a college announcement. So uh, we'll see what happens. That's one of those. There's no such thing as a must-get. But it's pretty significant that you do get a get. And uh, he will have his commitment in um, his Catholic high gym uh, at around 3.06 p.m. on August the 6th, which by my calendar tells me that is on a Saturday. So um, you sure would like to get that kid for sure. Um Pelicans have announced their preseason schedule. I'm not going to go into the details of that, but uh, I think without question, without doubt, the most highly anticipated Pelican season um, since a basketball team relocated from Charlotte to come to New Orleans. Now that first year was pretty darn was pretty darn special because the NBA was back after the after the midnight evacuation of the New Orleans Jazz to Utah, which still baffles the mind why they would keep that name. 
I've been to Utah, been to Salt Lake City. There is no jazz being played in Salt Lake City. So they should. Uh, and I guess the question would be, would you want that name back if it was released? Would you want to be called the New Orleans Jazz or do you like the New Orleans Pelicans? My vote, bring back the Jazz. Nothing against the Pelicans, but the Jazz is just it's just really, really really good in my in my book uh but anyway that's another story for another day tough break if you're a women's basketball fan um yukon husky basketball star Paige bukers uh will miss the entire college basketball season after tearing her acl in a pickup game um she's a great great player uh, she'll undergo surgery Friday at the Yukon Health Facility in Farmington, Connecticut. Um, just a great player. Uh, National Player of the Year in 2020-21. The first freshman to earn that honor. Help UConn reach the women's Final Four. She missed 19 games last season after suffering a left knee tibial plateau fracture and torn meniscus, but returned and led the Huskies to the National Championship game where they lost to South Carolina. She is a great player. Sorry to see that. And I say that because my daughter is a uh, basketball player and she sent me the news um, and it's just, she was devastated by it. So uh, there you go. If you're a Chicago Cubs or St. Louis Cardinal fan, get ready because in June of 2023, much like basketball does much like football does major league baseball announced today that the Cardinals and the Chicago Cubs will play a two game series, June 24th and 25th in the year 2023 next season at London stadium. They were supposed to play there in 2020, but the games were canceled because of the coronavirus pandemic. So the Redbirds and the Cubbies going across the pond to play Baseball. Now, they've played international games before. Uh, the Cubs played in Tokyo against the Mets. They played a three-game series against the Expos in Puerto Rico. Uh, the Cardinals played a Duquesne set against uh, Cincinnati in Mexico back in 2019, but never in London. So there you go. All right, we are brought to you today by Cajun Shop. Decidedly different, delectably delicious. For a long, long time, the Beard family in St. Martinville, Louisiana, have been using the finest peppers to come up with the finest hot sauce you could ever imagine, and so much more um, to help you with your salads, to help you with your pizzas. Uh, it is the best. Um, do like I do. Bring a small bottle with you wherever you go when you travel. Because some places don't have it, mysteriously enough. And if they don't, you do. Because everything tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. All right, our audio is good. Um, video is good. We are GTG. When we return, Cokie Riley, LSU, reporting to camp. First practice today. We'll preview it. After this timeout, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
All right, we are back 18 minutes after the hour. Fall camp is uh, finally upon us, and LSU will get out on the Ponderosa. They may have to go indoors. I don't know. Uh, maybe Brian Kelly wants to practice in the rain if it does rain. But the media will be allowed to uh, witness about 30 minutes of the team's first practice. Brian Kelly uh, will meet with the media again at around 6.15, which means my next guest is going to be a busy camper because he covers LSU football and basketball basketball and baseball for the USA Today Sports South region with the Daily Advertiser. And that is, of course, our good friend, Koki Riley. Koki, um, are you excited like the players are? Yeah, I am very excited. You know, getting out, getting out there and out in the real world and um, uh, going to see some football and going to see these guys play in person, that's that's pretty exciting. I mean, it's been, it's been a minute. Um, I mean, since the baseball season ended, we just haven't been able to see these guys in action. We we haven't really been able to talk to that many coaches either. So um, you know, it it the season is upon us. You know, the marathon literally starts in a, in what a couple hours. So it's exciting. Yeah, well, we'll see if the schedule stays on par. But according to the release. Um, you get to see 30 minutes of eight practices and two complete scrimmages in Tiger Stadium, August 17th and August 23rd. So the fans will have a much better inkling of how things are going and who is and who isn't. And it's, it's kind of like the NFL. They don't worry about that. They just go out and do their job. And you might as well, with all the things that are out there, these players are used to it by now. Just open it up and let's see what happens. So I, I kind of like the Brian Kelly approach to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I expect this to be a fairly quiet uh, a month or so of camp, just 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 given the way that um, Brian Kelly sort of likes to run a tight ship. But uh, at the same time, we still have a quarterback competition. We still don't know who's going to be the starter there, and of yeah. course, that's going to dominate the headlines. And uh, really interested to see who actually wins that job. It is so hard to project teams with a first-year coach. I don't care how good the coach is. And now, look, Nick Saban's a much better coach now than when he first came to LSU, but he struggled. Kirby Smart, his first year at Georgia, he struggled. Um, to me, this is the most unpredictable team in this year of football, 2022, LSU, I don't know what to expect. I don't know. I really don't. Do you Do you feel that same way, or do you think you have a, a grasp of what you can anticipate with this club? I don't want to say all of football just because I don't know exactly what's going on with every single other team in the nation, you know, to, to like firmly say this. But to say that LSU is in the, in the top like five or ten would be, I'd be, I'd have trouble believing that for sure. Um, mm-hmm. because again, like, like you said, there's just so many things we don't totally know about this team that not, we know what a lot of these individual players and individual coaches can do, but what can they do as a unit? That's the question, right? The, the, all right. the questions sort of surround of like, how does this player mesh with this player? How does this player mesh, mesh with this coach? Um, I mean, we got a little inkling of that already with the Keishon Boutte and, uh, uh, Brian Kelly saga right. in the very in the very early days, but for the most part, like we don't know exactly how Mike Denbrock's offense is gonna is gonna mesh with whatever quarterback they pick, and and which wide receivers fit best with which quarterbacks, and you know, and, yeah. and stuff like that is the stuff that mm-hmm. I, I we just don't know. 
Uh, no question. And, and, and to go along the lines of unpredictability, listen to this. The last three seasons of LSU football, they won a national title. They had a last place finish in the SEC West. They tied with Georgia for the most players drafted, 31. And they had its two worst seasons of the 21st century. All within a three-year space. They went from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the sewer. And they still had great talent because the NFL kept calling and 31 players were selected. It's just it's mind-boggling to see where this program was, to see where it is now, and what Brian Kelly he has to do to try and get this thing right under the under the premise of the first time that the FBS programs could sign undergraduate transfers, knowing they all had a one-time exemption. So it's just uncharted territory, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you make a great point about the, the peaks and valleys of this program in the last three years. And I think just based on just general logic that it has to even out at least somewhat this year, right? Um, I, I think the floor will be raised because it's Brian Kelly. He runs a tight ship, and they always have winning seasons, except for that one year at Notre Dame where they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. You combine that with all sort of the question marks that we have, like how are the pieces going to fit? How, right. how is the depth going to turn out on this team? Um, you know, some of the questions we have with the offensive line and with the quarterback unit, uh, those questions combined with sort of the the uh, sort of like the bare minimum floor that uh, that Brian Kelly brings to the ta- table, you know, that, that high bare minimum floor, I should say. Um, combine those two things together, and I think you look at a team that's going to be very competitive in the SEC that may have some ups and downs, but for the most part, it's going to be better than those six win teams or threatening to be less than six win teams in the last two years, but probably not quite the level of winning the national championship. I, I think that. That would definitely be a stretch, but um, I mean, you never know. I, I think this team's going to be in the seven to ten win range, and I'm, I'm feeling eight wins. And I've been saying that a lot, but I, that's just sort of the. I, I, I just the, all things considered, that's just sort of uh, the vibe that I'm getting. But again, I mean, no one should be really confident either way with their win total, just because, like we've talked about a million times already on this show, like we we don't know. We we yeah. really really don't know. We really don't know what's the defense going to be like. I mean, they've got their fourth defensive coordinator in the last four seasons. LSU hadn't had a top 25 defense since 2017, but you go from 2009 to 2017, they had eight top 25 defenses in those eight years. So how does new defensive coordinator Matt House handle all this? He's got some, he's got some great players um, in there, but he's got a defensive secondary that they're all getting to know one another. That's again, not to be repetitive, but so many question marks um, for this team, particularly defense. And you know, in the SEC, if you don't play defense, you're not going to win games. You're just not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that uh, understanding how the scheme is going to be really interesting. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like exactly. I mean, we mm-hmm. can look at the tape that he had at Kentucky um, and sort of try to decipher from some stuff from there, but at the same time, like he also spent uh, the last few seasons with the Kansas City Chiefs, and maybe his his philosophies have changed a little bit under Steve Spagnola. So I, I don't yeah. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. You know, that's another <laughs> you can add that question to the pot. 
Um, but at the same time, we kind of know that Jarek Bernard Converse, if he's healthy, is good enough to be a good SEC quarterback. Right. I mean, he was no question. A, a really good quarterback in the in the Big 12, and you see that. And you know, look at a guy like Seven Banks, who had seven tackles and I believe started in the national championship game. So I think we know what we're getting there if, if he's healthy. And the, but, but, that, but that's the question with that unit, right? It's not necessarily right. the pieces. So mm-hmm. It's just more of can they stay healthy? Those guys can help me because they just do not have the depth behind them this season to sur- to survive injuries. They just don't, and, and right. the biggest problem with that defense is we know. If it, actually, if there's anything certain about this LSU team this year it's that their defensive line is going to be good. Um, if it isn't, then a crazy rash of injuries must have happened because if right. you look at that unit, there are NFL players up and down, even off the bench. Uh, it is yeah. it is a really really impressive front four. Seven of uh, ten Power Five transfers came on the defensive side. And the one thing I'm holding out hope for is that Coach House had less talent to work with uh, at Kentucky, and he led them to an historically dominant 2018 season. So, so we'll see what happens along those lines. Are you are you of the belief, as has been mentioned around the old water cooler here, there, and everywhere, that? that Brian Kelly probably has more talent in this year at LSU than he ever had collectively on any of his teams at Notre Dame? Okay. Um, we may have lost him. But anyway, that's what so many people are saying. Um, we'll see. I think, uh, I, I think, my, I think my, my, um, my face hit the mute button by accident. Okay, so. okay. Are you of the belief that, that Brian Kelly has more talent on this year's LSU football team that he's ever had in his seasons at, at Notre Dame, like so many people are saying? Uh, I, I think that's a, that's a loaded question. And I see really it bandied around as well. Um, I, I don't want to say either way, but I think it's definitely toward my guess. If I just off the top of my head, it's definitely toward the top, right? Just because of how high they're recruiting, how much higher LSU's recruiting classes have been on you know, the last over the last 10, 15 years compared to Notre Dame's, even though Notre Dame is doing really well in the in the, in, in, in recruiting this year. But I think overall, LSU's been a better recruiting school over the last 10, 15 years. I don't think that's debatable, really. Um, but at the same time, recruiting classes, they don't necessarily equal playing with the best talent, not always. So I have to look back year to year and, and see exactly if that's the case. But my guess is this, this LSU team, is, at the very least, has to be toward the top half, if not toward the top quarter of, of teams talent-wise that he's gotten to work with. But he's also never probably played a schedule this tough, you know, being in the SEC yeah, West. you're right. So, I mean, it, it all Good sort point. of evens itself out in a way. That's a great point. All right, don't hit that mute button anymore. But look, uh, answers to all these questions will uh, will soon be upon us because the college football season is here and LSU's 31 days away before that uh, September 4th opener against Florida State. So um, questions will be answered sooner rather than later. Koki, I greatly appreciate it. The, the grind is on you, big fella, so enjoy every minute of it, and we always look forward to talking to you down the road, man. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, for, thanks again for having me on, Jordy. Uh, Koki Raleigh with USA Today and the Daily Advertiser covering the LSU Tigers. We'll take a quick time out here when we come back. Another day at Saints training camp. John Hendricks with the 411. Who that scared me when I couldn't hear him. I thought, oh, the Gremlin's coming back. It's crazy. 
but we're good. We're better than ever. And this is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your Just let it shine through. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. The Jordy Holtberg Show here on uh, the game. Fans were back for Thursday's Saints practice session, which uh, was outdoors after the team started inside in their practice facility. The pads were back on after a day of uh, shells on Wednesday for all the notes and all the things that he observed. The one and only uh, John Hendricks, who does a tremendous job as the Saints lead writer and reporter for At St. News for Fan Nation at SA. He's the video host of Boot Crew Media. He's just a busy, busy man, and he's great at what he does. John, thank you for your time, man. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. So um, how was day eight? I mean, after a while, don't they get tired of playing against one another? It's ready for some fresh meat out there. But what's going on today? Yeah, look, uh, definitely an easier day today, I guess you could say. Uh, No fight. No scuffle, so that was obviously the first big takeaway. But, you know, they moved back outside, and so they do this kind of portion where they start a little bit inside. We get to see a little bit, kind of take attendance and see players, and then they roll outside. They had fans back, and so they were in shells yesterday, like you said, back in pads today. And, and look, I think when you look at how things went down, the one-on-ones were really interesting to watch today. Uh, you know, I think guys that really stood out to me, Tony Jones Jr., guy we kind of had forgot about, didn't have a really good start to camp and stuff, and kind of really needed to turn it on, had a pretty good day. Um, you know, just getting nuggets about seeing Tyron Matthew being a little bit more here there. Uh, Taysom Hill, he has been missing since last week. He's out there yeah. on the field doing some rehab. Uh, Rashid Shaheed's coming along in his, his rehab. And so I think the biggest things are that, you know, we've got to see some pretty good football, not as Big of moments as you had, there were some some there here and there, especially one on one team drills. But you know, uh, just good to to be around football as they continue yeah. ramp up for the Texans next week. We were off yesterday because we had an Astros game on, and so we were preempted. So tell me about the fight with Penny. Was it a was it a good one? Was did he get his money's worth, or what? What, what tell, describe it to me? And and what did you think of Dennis Allen's reaction? Yeah, well, I mean, it came together pretty quickly. So, I mean, you know, as far as it goes, Finning won the rep against Malcolm Roach, and, and, you know, it got him to the ground. And I think that's kind of where everything really just kind of started to escalate a little bit from there because Finning's playing after the whistle and stuff, and Roach is kind of obviously can't repeat everything, but, you know, not going to do me this way. And the team comes together to try, you know, some players come to try to, to separate them. Then you start to get a big, gigantic huddle of players started to uh, to get them away from each other. So they ended up getting both tops from practice. And, look, you know, even after practice, again, I, I can't say the, the language that Dennis Allen used to 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 kind of nip that in the bud, but I can tell you that he took care of that situation in the moment after practice with all of his players and clearly landed, landed the message today. 
I got you. Um, you mentioned uh, the Honey Badger was back, so that uh, allays any fears of Saints fans. Um, looked like he knew what he was doing, looked like he hadn't missed a beat, or did it look like he had uh, been away from football for a while? Well, yeah, look, and first and foremost, here's what I'll tell you. that look, Everything I heard, he just needed a little bit of time to deal with some of the things that were going on right now, and so the Saints were great about it. Um, you know, Jameis Winston, Demario Davis, uh, Ma- uh, sorry, uh, Michael Thomas were all key players. Jarvis Landry that reached out to him this process. And, look, the Saints were more than accommodating for him. He mentioned that and, you know, just trying to give him the space and time that he needs to do it. And, look, there's going to be a ramp-up period for him, kind of like there has been with a lot of these guys. And mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's missed a bunch of practice. So, he's, you know, going through walkthroughs as the starting safety He's able to do a, a few individual types of drills, but, you know, there's going to be a ramp-up period for him to join and officially be in team drills, seven-on-seven, seven. similar to what we've seen with Michael Thomas, who, who had a kind of a rest day today. And so I wouldn't worry too much about him. I don't know if we'll see him much against the Texans next week. Um, that's really one of the other questions is, you know, what point do you get these guys ramped up to a period when you feel like you're ready to put them in a game situation? Yeah. So I don't know what we'll see there. John Hendricks, kind enough to join us. Okay, eight practices under the belt. You've seen all of them, um, or most of them that you were allowed to see. Uh, Has Jameis Winston um, done enough to boost your confidence in him, or are you still wondering, hmm, uh, I need to see more? What's your take on him? I think my confidence has been good on him, and I think it's only gotten better. And, you know, again, he's, you know, talking, hearing about Dennis Allen talking yesterday, just they feel great where he's at with a knee. They're not having him under a maintenance plan, says it all. And Jameis feeling like he's back to strength. He's feeling like it's, it's, he's feeling fantastic, able to move, roll out. Those are the things that I've wanted to see on him. And you know, I think the biggest thing is because you see uh, any time a mistake's made or a bad throw or he throws picks, you know, everybody kind of jumps out and says, oh, well, this is old Jameis. And, and the thing is that I would appreciate the most is his ability to just bounce back from that, right? Yeah, is the fact yeah, that yeah. short-term memory, come back, do something that just like, man, you know, this guy's ready and he's ready to do this type of stuff. And so, look, I've been very supportive of Jameis Winston. I believe he's in for a very strong season. I think the sky's the limit for this guy. And, and look, I, I, I – these saying that I don't think I think this team's going to live, breathe, and die by how James Winston does. Uh, I know the defensive first mentality is kind of where we we tend to land, but, but I think James is going to deal, and I think he's going to be a really good for this football team. And I hope he gets to go a 17 game season. And I, I am definitely a James Winston supporter and optimist going into this season. Boy, I like that. I like that a lot. You've seen Sean Payton at training camps. Do you notice anything different in the the approach, how things are done? I mean, anything different now with Dennis Allen in control? Well, you know, I mean, there are some nuances. Like, you can see, remember where Sean did certain things or Dennis did certain things. I think the emphasis is about the attention to detail and, and being crisp on your work. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, they're very similar, but I think there's some subtle differences there. And you look, I think you, you won't really see a big differences until maybe you get those game situations because that's kind of where my head goes is, you know, how do you handle situational football that's going to get thrown your way? Because let's say right. it's fourth and two from the 30, 
you know, do you trot butts on for a long field goal or do you try to be aggressive and go for it? And I think that's kind of the thing that remains to be seen. But, look, D.A. is smart. I know he's, he's talked a lot about not giving a lot of these players somewhat praise, if you will, just because it's still early in camp and it sounds like it's been a good thing, um, you know, not to, to put your, your horse before the cart or cart before your horse, however that take goes. But, look, I think he's been very focused, detailed-oriented. I think he obviously knows what to expect from this team uh, and from this franchise. And, and look, they also know and inspect, uh, respect him, too, to the point where, look, we know what, what this Saints football team is all about, and they're going to give it their all for Dennis Allen. And I think it brings a really fun element to the table where, you know, Sean was more probably the fun guy, if you will, sometimes. I think Dennis is a it's business. Let's get it done and let's keep going and, and let's keep doing it. But I think he's, his personality will come out a little bit more as the season progresses. Uh, we, we've talked about the coach. we talked about the quarterback. Um, you mentioned he had a Veterans Day off today, but Wednesday was the first time in training camp the Saints sent Michael Thomas out for a competitive drill. When you saw that, a guy that hasn't played in quite some time, he went seven on seven. How did he look? Um, how did he react? Uh, how did the leg look? What, what did you see? Yeah, I don't <laughs> – I say this, but I, I don't know if there's anything wrong with Michael Thomas based off of everything I've seen. And I, I think that's a good thing to, to say, just in the sense that this guy looks like Michael Thomas. He looks like King Guard Mike. He caught all three of his targets yesterday at 7-on-7. Seven seven. I mean, he's running his routes hard. He's not olaying it. He's not, you know, just giving it 50%. He's giving every rep 110%. He's working hard. I think he looks outstanding. Dennis Allen has said he's looked outstanding. You know, every teammate here, outstanding is the word for Michael Thomas. And, man, I just am so excited because of his outlook this season. And, you know, again, it's only going to ramp up him for him more as far as the team drills and team stuff. But, you know, what we saw in seven on sevens was, was really good. So I can't wait to see when he does one-on-one stuff and get into team drills. But he looks outstanding right now. Is he one of the most understood, misunderstood players out there? I mean, he's a great talent, but you don't hear from him much. Um, and, you know, people wonder, is he misunderstood? Is he a good team player? Well, I think here's the thing. I think he's a player who let my my stuff on the field tell you what you need to know about me. And, look, I think Mike's a guy where – and I'm not admitting things, but I know he feels slighted from – 2016 when there were five other wide receivers taken above him right and so he's always had that chip on his shoulder I think he's a really good teammate for a lot of things and I know he's had dust-ups you know with guys like CJ Gardner-Johnson and stuff like that's happened but this is a game of football right and so <laughs> I know people are quick to jump on Trevor Penning because of everything but you know CJ getting into it with Mike that was the thing that happened too and I mean it's just a lot of guys is playing this game uh, Mike is one that wants to prove himself and, you know, has obviously been out of football for a little bit. And, you know, this team has desperately missed him. And so I expect him to, to make such a huge mark. And I think he is a, a pretty good teammate. But at the same time, you know, it's, uh, you know, he's a wide receiver. He's, yeah. His uncle is Keyshawn Johnson. So there's a little bit of elements to that that, you know, you don't really have to spell out from. 
<laughs> the diva and beyond. I, I was curious how did uh, how did Penning respond today after being uh, exit stage left yesterday? Did uh, was he the same energetic uh, battle 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 kind of guy? Did he tone it down a little bit? How, how did he look? I don't know if I'd say he toned it down, but he definitely got whipped by Carl Granderson on one of his reps. So I, I don't know if it was just a, a product of everything that happened. Uh, it's just, I think he's a physical guy and that, you know, uh, it, it's going to, you know, be a, a problem. Like the only problem I have with it is if he hurts somebody, that's yes. going to be an issue. And the fact is, I think you'd rather have your offensive lineman be more aggressive than to have to say, okay, I need you to get more aggressive, right? And so yeah. the other parts yeah. of it is that this defense has had a very physical tone since the start of training camp. The corners have been physical. Linebackers hitting people. Defensive line. I think Trevor Penning's one of the guys that's standing up on offense and says, okay, well, you know, y'all are physical. I can be physical too and maybe set the tone for a little bit for the offense. But, you know, obviously, as DA said, there's some lines that you have to draw and things mm-hmm. you just can't do. And so um, you got to keep a cool head and, you know, today, obviously, he had a, a decent day, got whipped on some reps. But, you know, I expect him to be a huge focal point when we go in next week to see uh, him against the Texans. Yeah, practice is one thing. Games are what matter. Do you feel feel like after eight practice, Penning is f- closer to being on the starting unit for the line or further away from being as a starter on the offensive line? Uh, I mean, I think he's closer in the sense that you know it, it's better in terms of his progression. But um, again, I, I don't, I don't expect him to start week one. I, I, I got to tell you, it's got to be James Hurst okay. unless something crazy happens. But I just don't think there's going to be enough in his game and progression gotcha. unless something absolutely crazy happens that's going to put him on the field starting on first snap off for the offense in week one. So. Uh, not to say that things can change, but, you know, I, I just feel that they really like a lot of what they have in James Hurst. They're very confident in his, his blocking and his ability and his ability yeah. to be a leader in this team. Penning's going to have to earn his stripes, but, you know, again, yeah. never say never. But, look, it's, I don't think it's indicative because sometimes you rush these offensive linemen out too fast and True. it kills their confidence, and that's the worst thing you can do with a guy like him and, you know, chalk them up with another bus. So I think they're being smart about this. I, I think that Saints fans have got to be a little bit patient in this area and not expect them to be the week one starter. John, we, we mentioned Michael Thomas. We rave and hear rave reviews of Chris Olave. I'm curious about the third guy that we don't really talk much about. How's that former Tiger uh, Jarvis Landry looking, by the way? I mean, he's he's veteran guy. I, I don't know if there's anybody that's come onto the team that besides Tyron Matthew, maybe, but more so Jarvis that has been rejuvenated to be back at home. And uh, I think he looks outstanding. He's, he's running great routes. He's making one-handed catches. I mean, he's just a veteran you expected to see, right? And and I I think that when you look at the contract situ- contract situation, um, you know, the Saints got a bargain they got a diamond the price of a potato you know and so <laughs> i'm really excited to see what he does on the field i think his timing is coming there i think his routes are great i think he's getting uh, has a lot to offer maybe not the speed that you know we probably think he used to have as far as jarvis landry but look 
if it's third and 10, you need to move the chains and people are covered up in the slot. Uh, I think Jarvis is a, a big weapon to use here. I think he's going to get a lot more looks. And, look, um, you know, I've been really impressed with Jarvis Landry. I definitely think he's in for a big season, and he's banking on that too because you signed just a one-year deal with the team. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're going to be – a little shy of 30, and so I think this is a huge year for him to prove that he can earn a big type of contract on this last one, maybe. Oh, John, I can't thank you enough. What's uh, what's the next couple of days look like? When when do the Saints get a day off? Uh, what's what's on the horizon? <laughs> yeah, Sunday. That's where our day is off, too. So Sundays, uh, we do six days a week, um, but Sunday's typically the off day for everybody, and okay. so next week they'll be practicing, you know, Monday to Thursday, Friday, they travel to Houston, and so uh, it's obviously a preseason game. But Sundays are typically the days off, spend time with the family. All right, who you got tonight, the Raiders or the Jaguars? I mean, I'm just excited. Football's back. I, I know. Preseason, so new era, Doug Peterson. I guess I'd say the Jags. I think they have a little bit more pressure on them, so I think they're going to come out and put their best foot forward, even though they don't have Travis Atheon or, or uh, Trevor Lawrence playing. So I'll take them. You're the best. I can't thank you enough, man. And I go go rest those pipes. And I know you got a lot of work to do. We greatly appreciate you uh, taking some time out for us. Thank you. Uh, all right, Jordy. Thanks. Appreciate you. Uh, that's John Hendricks, the Saints lead writer, reporter for at Saints News for Fan Nation at SI.com, video host for Boot Crew Media. Um, we'll take a final time out here, wrap up our number one, the Jordy Helper show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? We just washed your hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you can hit my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holtberg and the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Again, in the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th. You can be there, register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. And um, uh, like I said, the Astros rolling, man. They are rolling, uh, playing good baseball. It was great to see the the uh, influx of new talent after the trades uh, delivering in their first game back. And the Astros now um, uh, 11 games ahead of the Mariners after having played 106 games. So um, they're in good shape. Good shape. Got a horse race with the Twins and the Guardians. Twins lead the Guardians by one and lead the White Sox by two in the AL Central. In the AL East, the Yanks over the Blue Jays by 11. The Yankees have 70 wins. The Astros have 68. So there's a two-game separation. Uh, and the Astros gained about five games in the month of uh 
uh, July to narrow that gap. So that's always uh, always a horse race there. Uh, my Cardinals are making it interesting. They're only a game and a half behind the Brewers in the NL Central. The Mets three and a half up over the Braves in the NL East. And the Dodgers... Um, 11 and a half over the Padres, but the Padres made those moves. So they just want to get in the playoffs and see what happens. Our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead. The Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go on this Thursday, August 4th, the year 2022. If you missed our number one, we spoke with Koki Riley as LSU gets ready for fall camp today. First practice uh, any now. Um, John Hendricks. Uh, gay day eight of uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, camp. And with all the latest news on that, um, you can always go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Look on the demand section, pull up the Jordy Helper show, and down the road that will be up there and available for you. Very insightful stuff. But um, we begin this hour as my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses among other things, KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles on 1041. That's the radio side of things. Uh, We're streaming on the internet around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041 thegame.com and if you're in the acadiana area and got a television set well we're well, you can turn it on because we're simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber did you miss the headlines of the day not to worry the blonde bomber has you covered here is holtberg's headlines Well, CBS Sports released their ranking of every FBS team pegged LSU at number 31. That's 28 spots higher than where LSU ended last season at number 61. But it's still, it's not fun to see LSU outside of the top 25. But LSU has a chance to rectify all of that starting now as uh, LSU is on the practice field. Uh, Media will have the 30 minutes to observe the team's first practice. Practice, and Brian Kelly will then talk to the media at around 615. Uh, it, it's the most, in, in my opinion, the, the most, um, what's the right word to, to use here? It, it's, um, you don't know what you're going to get. The, the most unpredictable team, um, seven and five, eight and four, who knows? There are so many reasons for LSU to be unknown. Most first-year coaches, man, that's a tough project coming into the SEC. It's tough to project what they're going to do. Even Nick Saban struggled his first year at LSU. Uh, Kirby Smart struggled his first year at Georgia. 
Brian Kelly's a winner. There's no question about that. How many coaches with five consecutive seasons of double-digit wins against the Power Five schedule leave for new surroundings? That's exactly what Brian Kelly did. Um, and maybe there's the unpredictability of because he's going into the SEC West, undoubtedly the best division in America, year in, year out, and certainly this year heading into 2022. For the last three seasons, to show you the topsy-turviness of this program, the last three seasons, LSU won a national title. They had a last-place finish in the SEC West. They tied with Georgia for the most players drafted 31, and they had its two worst seasons of the 21st century. No other team in America has had a range of outcomes like that in the past three years. So, um, wow, LSU's got a lot of returning talent. No question about that. No question. And you always have to wonder. The most talented player out there is Kayshawn Butte. He's on everybody's all-SEC team. He's on everybody's all-American team. What happens if things start off slowly? What happens if he tweaks his ankle just a little bit? Hmm. Does he do what others have done and say, you know what? I don't want to jeopardize my NFL career anymore, and I'm sitting out. I'm sitting out. So many things, so many variables, so many. And, of course, we have to understand who is the quarterback going to be. I've always said this. Jane Daniels brought in, coveted transfer from Arizona State. Did he really come over here not to think that he was going to be the starting quarterback? Miles Brennan came back out of the transfer portal. He's entering his sixth year. Is it time for him to capitalize on his long-awaited opportunity? I don't know. Okay, when you consider injuries kept him out of all but three games the past two seasons, who knows? And maybe does Kelly think that Garrett Nussmeyer is his next Eon book? I mean, but Nussmeyer still appeared in just two games against Power 5 competition. So a lot, a lot to be rectified. A former LSU quarterback is in Trouble with the law, to what extent, we don't know, but Auburn quarterback T.J. Finley is being held at a Lee County Detention Facility Center in Opelika, Alabama. Um, According to a report from WRBL-TV in Columbus, Georgia, Finley was charged of uh, a charge of attempting to elude from the Auburn Police Department. That That tells me something happened and T.J. hit the road. He took off trying to get away from it, and the police got him. So no details on what led to the arrest of the Ponchatoula, Louisiana native. Um, So we shall see. We shall see what happens along those lines. In another police blotter situation, unfortunately, former LSU women's basketball player Brittany Griner has been sentenced to nine years in prison by a Russian court today. Um, this was expected, and now there's there's something on one side, something on the other side, and now the negotiations for a prisoner swap should accelerate. But what a nightmare, huh? What an absolute nightmare. Jeez Louise. Um, the NFL has appealed 
as expected, the ruling that Deshaun Watson of the Cleveland Browns should be suspended for only six games. They're seeking a tougher penalty under the league's personal conduct policy in the wake of the disciplinary officer Sue L. Robinson's ruling on Monday. The league said NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell will determine who will hear the appeal. But under the collective bargaining agreement, Goodell has the option to consider the appeal himself or he can appoint a designee to do so. And I think they're going to appoint the designee. So we shall see. This is a long way from being over. And the only people that are going to win out on this thing are the attorneys on both sides because they're going to make a lot of money. Uh, fighting this thing and stretching this thing out and stretching this thing out. So, so uh, just uh, stay tuned. Meanwhile, we've got NFL action tonight, preseason game number one with the Las Vegas Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Derek Carr has himself a pretty good wide receiver uh, who left Aaron Rodgers to come join him. Devonte Adams, they were college teammates Uh, So what kind of a difference does that make for Vegas? Well, we shall see. But we have football on the tube tonight, and that is always, always a good thing. Um, You know, we always want to help you out. You know, we always want to give you stuff for nothing. And the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com is ready to do it again. Once you become a member of our rewards club, you have the opportunity to win excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, or a $50 gift certificate to the Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. You know what? LSU, look, there's no question they're putting the work in. There's no question that the leadership is much more stable, much more businesslike, much more professional. But, you know, coaches kind of do what they do. They've got to evaluate the talent. They've got to put the best players on the field that can execute what they want to do and that put those players in the best position to succeed. That's what coaching is. And then those that aren't starters, that aren't players, you got to get them to buy in, to be ready to go, because always there will be injuries, there will be fatigue, there'll just be, that's just the way it works. So uh, that's the biggest job. Can you get this team to cohesively blend and bond and buy in? And so far, so good. So far, so good. But they haven't played anybody yet. They haven't gotten behind in a game yet. And that's when you find out the true measure. It's easy in practice. It really is. Uh, but the games are a different deal. And, and, and what, you, what you must understand that in this conference, uh, every team has a coach that they pay very, very handsomely. And that coach has pressure to win and win now or you're gone. You're gone. They all recruit like crazy. Heck, you got five teams in the league in the top 25. So regardless of how good Brian Kelly is, the players have to play. The players have to make plays. They've got to do the job. Um, And that will be determined when they put fans in the stands, they turn the lights on, and they start keeping score. 
They really will. So what all you can ask for during this fall camp that's underway as we speak with 31 days left until the first real game, live action, um, where they don't put the, the yellow jersey or the purple jersey or the red jersey, whatever it is, on the quarterback. It's live game. Everybody's live and uh, is fair game. Um, all you can hope for is that there is day-to-day improvement and they stay healthy. That's And that's the biggest, cross your fingers, cross your toes. That's the biggest concern of any coach and any player. That's just the way it is. So uh, let the fun begin. Cajuns reported today. So they'll get things going. McNeese getting things going. Football's here. And in a month, we'll have football games. And then we'll see. And all the speculation will be done. Brian Kelly obviously um, understands the culture here a little bit better. He understands the rabidity of the fan base. And he's opening up eight practices. And media can spend 30 minutes there. And they can... Man, they can just soak it all in and, and inf- get that information out to you, the starving public. And they'll get to watch two scrimmages in its entirety. And then you'll start to see where everything is coming into play. And I think these coaches are hoping against hope that either Miles Brennan or Jaden Daniels or Garrett Nussmeyer or, heck, even Walker Howard, who knows, that somebody starts to extend and make a gap between himself and everybody else. Somebody grabs it, doesn't let go, and becomes that go-to guy. Because until they figure that one out, it is truly the most unpredictable team maybe in all of college football this year. We shall see. All right, um, 14 minutes after the hour, we're going to take a quick time out here. We're going to come back. We're going to hear from um, some of the New Orleans Saints, head coach Dennis Allen, Chris Olave. Just a couple of bites here and there. We'll talk a little bit more about the New Orleans Saints. No fights today. The Honey Badger is back. Michael Thomas had a Veterans Day off. And according to our earlier guest, John Hendricks, um, Jameis Winston looking pretty darn good. We'll talk about that and more when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 4th. 1936, American Jesse Owens claims his second gold medal at the Summer Olympics in Berlin after defeating German Luz Long in the final of the long jump event. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back at 19 minutes after the hour. It was day eight of New Orleans Saints training camp. Um, Started indoors, went outdoors. Fans were there. After a day of shells only on Wednesday, pads were back on today. Uh, No fights, no ejections, none of that kind of stuff. A, um, A veteran's day. That's the new thing now. It's called a veteran's day off. Um, And that was Michael Thomas today. Uh, So 
Whatever it is, it is. Um, Dennis Allen, the head coach, first year for the New Orleans Saints after being the longtime defensive coordinator, um, with an eye on the defense, and after have, missing about the first six practices, Teran Matthew is back, and he's getting himself reacclimated with his teammates and reacclimated with the concepts. Give him some time. But here's Dennis Allen talking about getting the honey badger back on the property. Yeah, look, I love having him back. It was great to see him last night. Got in last night. Had a chance to visit with him at the hotel. Seems to be in really good spirits. He's anxious to kind of get back here and get started. We'll go through a little bit of a ramp-up period with him. You know, kind of let him get his feet up under him. But, uh, man, to have a, a player of his decorated ability back in the building is a positive. Yes, it is. He's going to wear his number 32. So in case you're a Saints fan, it's 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 set in stone. You can go out there and buy your number 32 jersey. Uh, that's the honey badger and he's back. And hopefully he is better than ever. Also, hopefully back and better than ever, or at least to duplicate what he did prior to his injuries. Uh, Michael Thomas, he's for the first day Wednesday, got in on some live seven on seven drills. He's still being held out of the 11 V 11, uh, you know, full contact type of thing, but that will come in time. Um, and apparently he's, he's looked very, very good. As I said, he had a veterans day off today, but uh, catching up with Dennis Allen yesterday, he talked about Michael Thomas practicing. It's awesome. Seeing him, you know, get a few routes, you know, actually, actually go up against a defender. I thought he looked good in, in the plays that he got. I was excited about seeing that. And I think it's another step in the right direction. Another step in the right direction. So um, the big storyline from Wednesday's practice were um, – a couple of saints removed from practice following a fight that involved, of course, the intense rookie offensive lineman Trevor Penning. This time it was with defensive lineman Malcolm Roach. Dennis Allen sent both players to the locker room immediately afterwards. And here's Dennis Allen pulling no punches when it talks about fighting. Yeah, we don't have time for that, you know. And so, you know, I sent two guys in today. And uh, we got to get our work done. So we got to learn. We got to learn as a team how to compete, and how to play, and how to practice. All right, and push ourselves to the limit, but yet not take it over the edge. You know how you do that, Coach? You hit them in the pocketbook. You find them, plain and simple. Third consecutive day that a teammate had an altercation with Penning, the offensive lineman who the Saints drafted with the 19th overall pick. Monday, Peyton Turner. Tuesday, JT Gray. Wednesday, Malcolm Roach. Nobody today. Nobody today. So maybe the Rook uh, is learning. He's drafted out of Northern Iowa. He came in the league with a reputation for his physical play. Uh, remember Jeff Ireland saying he's really nasty. He's aggressive, has a violent nature. And that's why the Saints selected him. So you got to be careful. Um, you don't want to rein him in too much, but you don't want him doing dumb things when it counts. Uh, so we shall see. Meanwhile, the other rookie, the first round draft pick, Chris Olave, has been getting uh, rave reviews. And uh, Olave talked about um, just the simple fact of more practice, more reps, getting better. Oh, yeah, I feel like I'm getting better by day. Uh, I feel like I'd be a lot better throughout the day. So I got to keep keep going. Uh, I hold myself to a high standard. So uh, when I feel like I could do better, I'm, I'm 
raise that level. So. so, Chris, just exactly what is it that you want to get better at? I'm just getting better at the line, especially on physical covers. Uh, bigger corners on me. Uh, I feel like I could be a lot better in those situations. So, uh, going up, going up against guys like Debo and Bradley Roby and a lot of more is going to help me a lot uh, throughout these practices. They always say that uh, you get from college to the NFL and the speed of the game amplifies even more. Uh, I, I'm going to take their word for it. I think the college game's pretty fast, but the NFL's even faster. And then there's the physicality aspect of it, more hands-on, more getting after it. Chris Alavi talked about how the physicality has been on him. No, I'm good. I'm used to it. I went, I went, go, I went against corners out of Ohio State that, that were really big. So, and Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett. A lot of different guys, so I, I'm used to it. But uh, going up against uh, newer guys, especially for the Saints, uh, just trying to get it, trying to get a feel for them. Uh, Monday I wasn't really good at one on ones, but uh, come back today and did a lot better. So those defensive backs are one thing. The Saints arguably have a pair of maybe the best defensive backs in football. Certainly one of the one of the better groupings in Marshawn Lattimore and Paulson Adebo. Here's Chris Olave talking about going up against the second year Saint. Paulson Adebo. Oh, he's a great player. He's a great player. I respect his game. I mean, he's a competitor, too, just like me. So we go back and forth. And uh, at the end of the day, that just makes us better. But I respect his game. He's long, fast, and, and physical. So uh, I definitely uh, want to see him play uh, throughout the year. When Alavi was at Ohio State, that's when uh, Michael Thomas was having that most incredible season. And you know he was watching, and you know he was going, how, how can I get like this guy? So they asked Alave, what's it like working with a talent like MT? Uh, it was really Mike, Mike Thomas. Uh, he's been like a, a big brother to me. Uh, I respect him. I feel like he took me under his wing as soon as I got drafted. And uh, just learning from him. Uh, seeing seeing the work he puts in every day and seeing everything he does on a daily basis uh, just makes me want to go harder and, and make it to the top. Uh, I feel like uh, I've been doing that and just working hard every day trying to get to, get to that point. The whole thing always, you know, look, the Saints are going to have a defense. I don't think there's any question about that. They've got skill position people. There's no question about that. Um, Taysom Hill back on the practice field for the first time since he uh, suffered that rib injury. So he's back and is good to go. Uh, the key, again, as always, is going to be Jameis Winston. How how does he handle things? How does he handle it? The, 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 the situation um, and how, how good is he going to be? It doesn't have again. It doesn't have to be great, but he certainly has to be good, and he has to make plays when the time comes. If he's great, well, this team I think has the potential to be a Super Bowl contender. I really do. If he's great, great. Um, but they have the defense. They have the kicking game. There's no question about that. Um, they have the skill position people. If they stay healthy. Uh, I think the offensive line will be fine. I think the defensive line is really good. Um, so I think everything is in place here. Again, it's all about Jameis Winston and just how good he will be at moving this club, avoiding. And this is you could put any quarterback, just take the name Jameis Winston out of it. You could say the same thing for Josh Allen at Buffalo. You could say the same thing for Pat Mahomes at Kansas City and on and on and on and on and on down the line. 
which quarterback's going to be affected? Who's going to protect the football? Who's going to who's going to get the ball to their playmakers in space? Who's going to be able to make the tight throw when you need one? Who's going to be able to convert on third and six, third and eight, and keep the chains going? And who's going to score touchdowns rather than punt or kick field goals? That's for every quarterback in the league. So if Jameis can handle that and be successful with that, and he and Pete Carmichael can 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 reach an accord and work together um, and realize the strengths and weaknesses and focus on the strengths, then the Saints will be fine. Saints will be fine. No question. All right. So there you have that. Our Saints report brought to you by Eon of Lafayette, the first robotic touchless laser device whose sole job is to get rid of fat permanently around your waist, your love handles, all those areas that you exercise and you work so hard at, you eat properly and you still can't lose it. You still can't. Well, let Tara LaPerry and her staff at Eon of Lafayette show you how. Go in for a free consultation. They'll show you the equipment. They'll show you how it works. Um, and it uh, it's kind of amazing. They gave me a trial run, and I felt it. It was, um, man, you didn't feel anything but a, like a cool little breeze. But you knew that that laser was doing its job. So it's very, very impressive. And it works. It works very, very well. So there's Eon of Lafayette, soon to be Eon of Baton Rouge, and Eon of Mandeville. Uh, so... Lots of opportunities here and there. I strongly recommend in Lafayette, right there in River Ranch. You can't miss it. Um, Eon, E-O-N of Lafayette. You can get the work done. They have cherry financing. Takes about 30 seconds to fill out a form online, and boom, you're done. You don't have to come out of pocket right away. They'll finance it for you, and you can become the best you that you can become. Get rid of those love handles that you just can't get rid of. Get rid of it. It's for men. It's for women. What a great present it would be, whether it's a birthday present, anniversary present, Christmas present, whatever, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, Father's Day. Great gifts. Great gifts. Eon of Lafayette. We'll be back. It's Hump Hump Day Plus One with Mike Huguenin of On3.com talking all things college football. Stay with us. Uh Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, Michael Huguenin, my favorite guest of the week. How are you, my friend? Doing, uh, doing well. Football practice is here. Yep. So uh, we're, we're, three, we're 23 days from the first uh, Saturday of the season, week zero, uh, and that- which means we're 30 days from yes. the real start of the season. So football's yep. right around the corner. Is there a decent week zero game? Yeah, I think I, mean, I know uh, Florida State plays Duquesne. Northwestern Nebraska is, I think, gigantic Ooh. Um, Ooh. for, especially for Scott Frost. And I'll be honest, I said on the radio elsewhere the other day that, you know, I think if Nebraska loses that game, that's the start of the true clock ticking down for Scott Frost. Because if they can't beat Northwestern, a team they 
blew out last year. They beat them by 44. If you don't beat Northwestern this year, I don't think you're saving your job. I don't think you can get six wins. Hmm. Um, all right. So uh, let, let's start with uh, Alabama. Um, Saban called last year kind of a rebuilding year, and they went 13-2. and two. They won the SEC, and they led Georgia with 10 minutes to go in the college football playoff national championship. Um, but still, they're coming off a tie for their most losses since 2010-2. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it the consistency. I think that... The, the idea that it was rebuilding, Alabama does not rebuild. It was a reloading year. Um, and they're, they're going to be really good this year. Uh, they're the best team in the country, I think. There's no doubt about that. Defensively, they're going to be better. The question is their receiving core, and that's it. That's it, the receiving core. Okay. Um, I think that's it. I mean, the offensive line, you know, they don't have an Evan Neal, um, but I think it might. It's going to be, I think, as good as last year's line because I think the right side will be a tad bit better. And Tyler Steen's a pretty good replacement considering he's already been in the SEC. Um, you got you got Jameer Gibbs, who was better than Brian Robinson. You got Bryce Young in his second year in that offense. Um, you know, this is, again, not a perfect Alabama team because the receiving core is a question. But, you know, again, I think saving calling last year, rebuilding was a little bit of hyperbole. Yeah, I agree. Um, but you're right; they lost two games, and maybe for Alabama, that's that's a that's a mediocre <laughs> that's season. Amazing. That is amazing. I guess this will be a testament to Georgia and their claim to try and become the Alabama of the East, because they lost a heck of a, they won a championship. Great for them; they deserved it. They lost a ton ton of players we'll see what kirby smart can do with this he's got stenson bennett the fourth back again and they think that they're reloading not rebuilding so they don't have much competition in the sec east so it looks like it's the tide and dogs again but pressure on georgia to try and kind of show that they can keep up with how alabama does their business i would think no 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 question about that and i think that's Again, this is not a rebuilding year for Georgia. It's a reloading year. I mean, yes, they lost an inordinate amount of talent off that defense. But it's not like, oh, my God, we're going from, you know, boom to bust. I mean, it's, oh, look, we've got six five-stars ready to get into the lineup. Uh, and I'll be honest, Jalen Carter, um, I think this year, as good as last year's defensive linemen were, two first-round picks, Jalen Carter has more talent than anybody on last year's defensive line. The question for him is, does he fully realize that potential this year? Um, He's he's got more talent than Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker went first overall. Um, And you're right, though. I mean, at least I think if you're Alabama, you look at the other teams in your division and say, okay, we're going to have to be up for, for the most part when we play a division foe. If you're Georgia, I don't think you have to because you look at the rest of the SEC East and who's the best, second second best team in the East? Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina. I mean, come on, those aren't those aren't. I'm not sure there's a top twenty team in that bunch. Uh, Whereas I think you're gonna have to, if you're Alabama, you're gonna have to work a few times when you play SEC West folks. Mm, okay. Um, 
Michael Hugan, and kind enough uh, to join us. We've got some really good opening, and we'll get into these later on. But uh, how about Cincinnati at Arkansas, Oregon versus Georgia in Atlanta, Utah at Florida, Notre Dame at Ohio State, Florida State versus LSU in the Superdome, and Clemson versus Georgia Tech. That, that's that's my five or six really good games to get this thing kicked off. Yeah, it is, and that's it's. Um, there's a lot of sneaky good games, and I'm glad you mentioned Cincinnati, Arkansas. Um, you know, Cincinnati last year goes to the playoff. I think people are like okay, a one year wonder. You know, see you later, Cincinnati. And if they lose to Arkansas in the opener, I think the they become a, a irrelevant the rest of the year because they're not getting in to play off with one loss. So I think there's it, it's it's weird in a way. It's an SEC team playing at home against a college football playoff opponent from last season, I would argue the more pressure's on Cincinnati. Um, Desmond Ritter's gone. Uh, I think I read that he was the winningest. He won the mo- either the first or second most games by any FBS quarterback ever because he basically was a five-year starter. They have all five starting offensive linemen back, um, but mm-hmm. they're breaking in a new running back, new receivers, and a new quarterback. So, uh, a lot of pressure on, on Luke Fickle to get it done again. That's really good team. Uh, Florida playing Utah. Um, you know, Georgia's playing Oregon. Does anybody really think Oregon has a shot? The game's in Atlanta. It's a home no. game for the dogs. They're not yeah. losing. Utah-Florida is an intriguing game, I think, because two things. First, it's Florida's first game under Napier. So the crowd's going to be super jacked up. Plus, it's in Gainesville. And I don't care how hot it gets in Salt Lake City, the Utah players have not going to have ever seen anything like the heat and humidity they're going to face on that first Saturday in November. I don't care first Saturday rather in September. I don't care if it's a seven o'clock kick. The humidity is going to be like eighty-five percent at kickoff, and it's going to be like ninety degrees. Uh, you know, people in Louisiana and people in Florida know what humidity does to you. Um, you, can, you can be used to 90-degree weather, but, man, once you add that high humidity, it saps mm-hmm. you. So Florida's advantage is that it's going to be the crowd and the heat slash humidity. So Utah's a defending Pac-12 champs. Most people think they're going to repeat. That, that's a potential statement game for Utah and a potential statement game for Florida, though. So there's a lot of intrigue, no I think, in that one. And again, seriously, Oregon, Georgia, cool storylines. Georgia has no shot at losing that game. Okay. Uh, Florida State, LSU. Florida State will play Duquesne. I didn't know the Dukes or whatever they're called uh, had a football program. So that's week zero. At least they get a game under their belt. Um, LSU, LSU might be one of the most unpredictable teams in college football this season. I don't know what to expect. I really don't. No, the quarterback system. I mean, heck, the whole offense. I mean, Kayshawn Bouquet is really good at receiver. He's a stud. Um, last year, you had some receivers who had to step up, and this year it's going to be complimentary guys to Bouquet. And so that, that's, that's, the receiving core is going to be fine. The offensive line, I don't know when they're going to decide on their starting five. Mm-hmm. When are they going to decide on a starting quarterback? Is mm-hmm. John Emery really the feature back? Um, I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, right. Defensively, I think the defensive line could be tremendous. 
Yeah. Um, I know, and that's going to sound weird considering they were very lackluster at times last year against the run. I think Mason Smith's ready to become a all SEC kind of talent. Uh, Roy next to him is pretty good. Um, they added the Jernigan kid who's not bad. At, I'm sorry, the uh, Makai Wingo kid from Missouri right. who's got a ton of potential. Ali right. Gay is a good pass rusher. Anjulari is a good pass rusher. Um, the, the Weirdly, the, I, I would argue that the biggest question mark defensively at LSU is their secondary, and that's weird for a team that likes to consider itself DBU. But I've said this on your show before. I cannot fathom LSU losing to Florida State. I don't think Florida State, I think they're a six six seven five team at best. Their okay. offensive line is a gigantic Gigantic question mark. They brought in four transfers along the offensive line. I believe only two of the four went through spring practice. If LSU can't pressure Jordan Travis, uh, they ain't going to pressure anybody this year. So that's a huge game for LSU's defensive front. Um, And I think that whoever the starting quarterback is for LSU is going to be able to throw the ball on FSU. Um, FSU's leading pass rushers are gone from last year. They're, okay. they're counting on Jared Verse, a transfer from Albany, to be their leading pass rusher. I don't care what kind of tackles LSU has. If you're an SEC offensive tackle and can't block Jared Verse, you don't belong in the SEC. <laughs> so I think everything is in LSU's favor in that game. Um, I, I get the fact that it's Brian Kelly's first game. I think that will actually be a rallying point for the team. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think LSU is vastly more physical, even though I've never seen him get, play a game under Brian Kelly. Yeah, we shall see. Michael Huguenin on 3.com. A lot of transfers, some marquee names. Caleb Williams uh, goes from Oklahoma to USC as a quarterback. Uh, Jordan Addison leaves Pitt to be a wide receiver at USC. Uh, Quinn Ewers uh, leaves um, Ohio State, goes to Texas as the quarterback. Spencer Rattler leaves Oklahoma, goes to South Carolina as the quarterback. And maybe the sneakiest one of all, Jameer Gibbs leaves Georgia Tech and goes to Alabama, if you had to put a nickel on it, which one of those transfers do you think comes out smelling like a rose this year? Well, I think Gibbs is uh, I mean, I think Alabama's going to win the national title, and I think Jameer Gibbs is better than Brian Robinson. Um, mm. Gibbs is a really good receiver. Um, he's faster than Brian Robinson. He's Heck, he returned kickoffs at Georgia Tech and took one back for a touchdown. He's got great, tremendous straight-line speed. He can cut. Um, he's more sleek let's put it that way, than Brian Robinson. I think Caleb Williams is going to have a really good year. And I mentioned the SEC East and, you know, who finishes second. I think South Carolina actually has a chance, and that's because of Rattler. Now, you go off of last year's Rattler, South Carolina's 5-7. and Because if you're, if, you're, if you're a quarterback who struggles in Lincoln Riley's offense, that is not a good thing. But I think Rattler felt the pressure of having Caleb Williams behind him. I think this year he is unquestionably the starter at South Carolina, and I think that's good for Spencer Rattler's head. I think he he knows he's the guy. Uh, I think he could have a good year. But, again, I I don't know how good an offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield is at South Carolina. So he can not only sort of rehab Spencer Rattler, Marcus Satterfield can make a case that, hey, when you talk about 
good young offensive coordinators, make sure you include me. Um, but you're right, SC's transfer portal additions by Lincoln Riley, as many as six starters on offense for USC from the portal, and probably three defensively. Um, that's basically half the starting lineup turned over in one off season by transfers. So I think USC's work in the portal uh, was really good, and it was also really needed because Mr. Helton did not do a good job of building the USC roster. Yeah, man. Now he's uh, in the Sun Belt At Georgia Conference. Georgia Southern. Yeah. Yeah. You, can you imagine? They're gonna change their the ways, aren't they? Stock of going from L.A. Ooh. to Statesboro, Georgia. Now, nothing against Sun- Statesboro. I've been there a couple no. times, but let's just say L.A. is a little more fast-paced. And um, their offense is going to be a little bit more fast-paced. He's going to throw it. They've never thrown it at Georgia Southern. They run it, run it, run it. Yeah. So things will be changing there. Um, the other thing that that uh, didn't change, the NCAA Division One Board of Directors took no action to adopt transfer reforms during a meeting yesterday, uh, giving this committee time to address concerns about proposed transfer windows and immediate eligibility after more than one transfer. Give me the Cliff Notes version of what that means. I think that the um, that you can transfer as many times as you want is overblown because of the way the NCAA grants waivers. Um, there's 131 FBS teams uh, I think there's going to be seven starting quarterbacks this fall who are on their third team. So wow. the idea that, oh, my God, there's going to be massive free agency every year, that, that aspect's a little bit overblown because, again, tr- waivers are being granted left and right. I think the bigger thing is the transfer portal window. I think there's no doubt but that coaches want certain times of the year blocked off. And I think mm-hmm. that's what is the – sort of the crux of the rule, and that's the part that they cannot fix yet. So I think the more important aspect of this is coaches are not getting the transfer portal window legislation that they wanted. I think they're going to eventually get it, but it it is a little bit surprising to me that that hasn't been hashed out yet. Again, the the football coaches group really has been calling for this, and and it's basically – you got 131 guys, FBS football coaches. You would think that they would band together and wield some power and say, this must get done. But right. instead, like everything in college sports, no one is willing to step up on the podium and, you know, and, and say, this got to be done. We need to get this fixed right now. Instead, everything is punted down the road. And that's, again, typical for college athletics. Hmm. Is uh, give me your final four, just for giggles and grins. I know you're going to have Alabama in there. I gotta believe you're going to have Ohio State in there. Who are the other two? I think Georgia is is going to be there because I don't think anybody on their schedule can beat them except Georgia itself. Okay. Um, if, if Georgia loses a game in the conference, they will have helped their opponent by three or four turnovers. Okay. Um, I think that's what I think Georgia is still supremely talented. Now, Team Four, um, I'm not buying Clemson. Um, I'm not buying anybody in the Big Twelve to be that good. Not buying anybody in the Pac-12. Um, so that's sort of a way of me of chickening out. Um, maybe it's <laughs> another team from the Big Ten. I think Michigan's going to be really good again. I'm intrigued to see what Notre Dame can do with a new starting quarterback. Um, but, they, yeah, that fourth one, I don't think it's going to be a group of five. Um, 
you know, maybe maybe somebody in the Big 12 prizes me and goes 11-1. and one. But, I mean, those are a bunch of flawed teams, a bunch yeah. of flawed teams in the Pac-12. I'm, I guess right now I would say two big two, two Big Ten and two SEC. Ooh, they'll go nuts. They'll go nuts. Michael, yes, you will. Everybody, and, and, and if I'm yeah. Kevin Warren and Greg Sankey, I meet at midfield before the first semifinal and sort of just laugh and laugh and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. You're the best. All right. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Mike Huguenin on 3.com. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Huguenin here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, special thanks to all of our guests today. Koki Riley, USA Today, talking LSU football. John Hendricks, talking uh, about the Saints for Boot Crew Media. And then Mike Huguenin of On3.com. If today, August 4th, is your birthday, well, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Hope you have cake, ice cream, present or two. And with your family and your loved ones, um, you share your day with a pretty good auto race driver uh, back in the day. Happy 51st to Mr. Jeff Gordon. Yes, indeed. Uh, tomorrow, we'll uh, we'll start our football Fridays. We'll talk all things football. We'll have the regular crowd shuffling in. Larry Holder will join us. Um, Georgie Faust will join us. Uh, George Becknell and many, many others. So, James, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening and thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Until tomorrow, I am Jordy Holtberg. Um, Stay thirsty, my friends. Uh, do everything you can to stay healthy. That's the most important part. Um, let's be kind to one another. Wouldn't that be nice? And hey, life is short. Let's be happy. So long, everybody. We'll talk tomorrow.